So last week we talked about the fact that you don't have to stay the same. Amen? Oh, come on. Wake up. Help me now. Amen? You don't have to stay the same. By the power of Jesus Christ, you and I, we can change. Today I want to convince you of this fact. You matter to God. You really do matter to God. You see, one of our greatest needs is to feel valued by someone. To feel like our life matters to someone. And so what do we do? We go out and we spend our lives trying to keep up with others in four specific ways, hoping that somehow they'll then value us as family or value us as a friend. So we judge our value, first of all, right? look at this, by appearance. And we say, how, how do I look next to each other's? You know, how do I look next to other people? And then we value ourselves by achievement. What have I done compared to everybody else? Am I doing okay? And then we judge our value by affluence. What do I own compared to my neighbors, compared to my church family? What do I own? And then we judge our value by approval. How well am I liked compared to others? Do people like me? Do I have some nice things? Am I doing some good? Do I look okay? And we, we judge our personal value by those four things. But the problem is none of those things are stable. None of those things last. All of those things change because our beauty fades. Anybody notice that yet? <laughs> we, you know, you just look at a high school reunion picture. Yeah. Our beauty fades. Our successes are surpassed by somebody else. Somebody else comes along and breaks our records. Our possessions wear out. Some of the people who did value us die. Or they leave us. Or they reject us. So the, the question this morning is, if, if you base your value on these things, where will your value come from when you're wrinkled and you're broke and you're retired and you're alone? Where will you get your value? You see, you need to base your life on something that lasts. You need to, to base your life on something that, that can't change. And there is only one thing that will never change. That's the value that God places on you. You may not feel like that right now, but God values you. The truth is this. You matter to God no matter how you look. Isn't that nice? Amen? You matter to God no matter what you have done. That's even nicer. Amen? <laughs> you matter to God no matter what others think of you. And no matter what you own. You matter to God. And I'm going to say this this morning. You matter more than the world to him. Sometimes we say, you mean the world to me. But I want you to understand, you mean more than all of the things that God created. You mean more than all of that to him. He values you more than any other created thing. You matter to God. And there's this wonderful picture of how much you matter to God that's found in the Bible. It's the story of a man, and his name is Zacchaeus. Now, Zacchaeus lived in the city of Jericho. And when Jesus was walking through the city of Jericho, 
This man, Zacchaeus, had an encounter with Jesus that forever changed his life. Let's take a look at it. Luke chapter 19, beginning with verse 1. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was the chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see Jesus, but because he was short, anybody identify with that? I do. He could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. Now, I really don't think that Zacchaeus really wanted to talk with Jesus, but he'd heard about this miracle worker and he really did want to see him. But if there was ever a man who needed to be valued, it was Zacchaeus. If there was a man who ever needed to know that he mattered to someone, anyone, it was Zacchaeus. Because in the four ways that we typically evaluate ourselves, Zacchaeus was already striking out on three of those areas. He was already striking out. He was wealthy. He was affluent. But he was striking out when it came to appearance, achievement, and approval. First, Zacchaeus didn't like his appearance. He was short, really short. In fact, the Bible tells us he was the shortest man in the city of Jericho. Today, we might say that he was a little person. He was a, a song used to say he was a wee little man. And he was probably teased about how short he was. You know, kids can be ruthless on the playground. And they can come up with all kinds of names to call you when you look different than they look. Kids can then distance themselves from you and not include you. So Zacchaeus, all of his life, had to deal with his appearance, not liking the way that he looked. Second, Zacchaeus didn't have the approval of anybody in the city. In fact, he was the most hated person in the city because he was the chief tax collector. Now, tax collectors are never popular, amen? <laughs> but he was an absolutely corrupt tax collector. Absolutely corrupt in every way. Now, to collect taxes for the Romans, you first had to bribe a Roman official before he would allow you to become a tax collector for the Roman Empire. But then they would let you collect as much as you wanted and keep as much as you wanted, as long as you paid Rome its portion. So you could go to somebody, and Zacchaeus did, and say, you owe Rome one dollar. But I demand that you pay ten. And they would have to pay it. They only owed one, but he would collect ten. Nothing they could do about it. And so he'd pay Rome their one dollar, and he would pocket nine for himself. Zacchaeus was more than a tax collector. He was an extortionist. So this Zacchaeus became a very wealthy man by overtaxing the people of the city of Jericho. And beyond that, for a Jewish man like Zacchaeus to become a tax collector for the Roman Empire, that was just unthinkable. It was like he was joining the other side. The Jewish people felt oppressed by the Romans, and it was like joining the other side. So if you became a Roman tax collector as a Jew, it meant three things. Number one, your family would disown you. Your ability to worship in the synagogue would be disallowed. 
And number three, you were considered worse than a murderer. When you walked down the streets, they looked at you like a murderer. And as the chief tax collector, he was the guy that was running the whole scam. He had people overcharging for him. So to say that he was the most hated and ridiculed man of Jericho is not a, an exaggeration. So as a result, over time, Zacchaeus also began to hate himself. Because you know this. You can't do things that are wrong day after day without having a guilty conscience. The Lord has given us a, a conscience. The Lord has written his word on our hearts. And so day after day, he began to feel bad and worse about himself. He knew he was ripping people off. He knew he was lying to people. He knew he was being deceitful. He knew he was getting wealthy at the expense of others. And so because of that, he knew that he had no one who loved him and respected him and valued him. He had all of this money, but he had no love. He had no respect. And so here was Zacchaeus, an unloved an unrespected, miserable man. But suddenly, one day, everything changed because Zacchaeus had this encounter with Jesus. And Zacchaeus was changed because he learned how much on this one day, in this one event, how much he really mattered to God. And once you learn that, you are never the same. It changes you. It changed Zacchaeus, and it'll change you. So today, I want to share three things that let Zacchaeus know that he mattered to God. Three things that will let you know how much you matter to God. So write this down. The first thing is this. No matter how overlooked you feel, Jesus notices you. Maybe you're here this morning and you feel overlooked for a job. Maybe you felt overlooked all your life as you went through school. But no matter how overlooked you feel, Jesus notices you. Now here's this Zacchaeus. Become a, he'd become a very rich man, but also this very lonely man. So when he heard that Jesus was going to come into Jericho, this miracle worker, he wanted to see him. But he was too short, the Bible says, to see over the crowd. So in an effort to see Jesus, Zacchaeus did two things that a wealthy Middle Eastern man would never do. Number one, he ran. If you got enough bucks, you don't go running anywhere, amen? (laughs) You just saunter wherever you're going. He ran. Second, he climbed a sycamore tree. Those are things that little boys do to see what they want to see. They run. They climb trees but not a wealthy Middle Eastern man. So what Zacchaeus did to see Jesus was shocking enough, but what Jesus did was even more shocking. Jesus passed through this city, and as he was going, he was passing by thousands of people surrounding him. But then he walked straight up to the tree where just one man was sitting, Zacchaeus, and he looked up into that tree. Take a look at what the Bible says. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up. He walked to that spot, and he stopped, and he looked up. What happens when people look up? Everybody else looks up. Jesus stops at that specific tree. Jesus looks up at one specific man sitting in that tree. 
And can you imagine Zacchaeus at that moment? Can you, can you imagine? Jesus is looking at him in that tree. The crowd is now following the eyes of Jesus, looking at him in that tree. The city is now looking at their chief tax collector sitting in that tree. And suddenly, it gets really quiet. Suddenly, the heart of Zacchaeus starts to pound really loud. Can you just imagine? Everybody's eyes are on him. Zacchaeus is thinking, he's looking at me. Why is he looking at me? Out of all the people in Jericho, he's looking at me. It must have felt like the whole world was looking at at Zacchaeus sitting up in this tree. This wealthy Middle Eastern man sitting up in this tree. It must have felt like the whole city was judging him and laughing at him. There's that little man sitting up in a tree. So why did Jesus do that? Why did Jesus stop at that tree and look up at that man, Zacchaeus? It's because he knew that Zacchaeus, he knew where he was. And Zacchaeus, he knew, needed to know that he mattered to God. That's why Jesus stopped. The truth is, God knows exactly where you are at all times. He knows exactly where you are. And today you may be up some tree. Maybe you feel like your life is out on a, on a limb. Maybe you feel like you're in a creek and you've got no paddle and you're in trouble. But you need to know that God knows where you are. And maybe you think that God, God doesn't know or that God doesn't care. But there has never been a moment when God has taken his eyes off of you. Not one moment. He's seen every breath. He's seen every thought. He's heard your every word. He's seen your every act. And even though you have blown it again and again, he has constantly looked at you, listen, with eyes of love. With eyes of love. Now, it's hard to imagine that God pays that much attention to us because unless we're really hurting, sometimes we don't pay a whole lot of attention to God. I've seen lots and lots of people who want nothing to do with God, but then somebody dies and I'm at the grave with them and they want, they want their loved one to get into heaven with God and they're crying and they're weeping. A lot of times, unless we're hurting, we don't pay any attention to God. We don't notice God 24 hours a day, but God has his eye on you. Every minute of every day, he notices you. People may ignore you. People may not notice you. You may feel overlooked. You may feel like your life doesn't matter, but you matter to God. And all of God's people said, amen. The Bible says this, God never overlooks a single sparrow. And he even pays, look at this, greater attention to you. Down to the last detail, even numbering the hairs on your head. Do you understand that the God who created all that exists, the God who keeps it all spinning and all working, is up there going, one, two, three, (laughs) until he knows the numbers of hairs on your head. And if you lose hair as fast as I do, God, he's counting all the time. (laughs) That's... How God 
watches every detail of our lives. He has his eyes fixed on you, just like he fixed his eyes on Zacchaeus. God notices you. And so no matter how overlooked you feel, you can know that God notices you. He knows where you are. He's watching you. He knows what you're going through. Second, no matter how unloved you feel, Jesus affirms you. He affirms you. All of his life, Zacchaeus had been ridiculed because of his appearance and rejected because of his evil actions. Nobody in Jericho liked how he looked or how he acted. But when Jesus stopped at that tree and Jesus looked up, something else amazing took place. Look at what the Bible says. When Jesus came by, he, Jesus, looked up at Zacchaeus and called him by name. Zacchaeus, he said. Now imagine at that moment the shock of Zacchaeus. He's thinking, he's stopping by me? Here at the bottom of this tree, he's looking at me and he's calling to me by my name. He knows my name? He knows me? The truth is God not only knows where you are, he also knows who you are. When Jesus called Zacchaeus by name, it shocked the crowd. Now, why would Jesus notice and call by name the biggest crook in the city? The biggest scoundrel in Jericho? Well, now the name, you need to understand, Zacharias, or Zacchaeus, I'll get it right. The name Zacchaeus means pure one. Pure one. Now, people probably called him every name in the book. But they probably never called him Zacchaeus because they knew his name meant pure one and he was not pure. But at that moment, in spite of his sin, Jesus knowing where he was and Jesus knowing really who he really was, Jesus knew all about his sin and all of his deeds. Jesus still looked up and called him Zacchaeus, which means pure one, the pure one. It's kind of like when God told Jacob, you're not going to be a Jacob anymore. You're not going to be a deceiver, a manipulator anymore. I'm going to change your name and I'm going to call you Israel, the prince of God. It's like Jesus was saying to Zacchaeus, you're not going to be a sinner anymore. Zacchaeus, I know all about you. But I see that in you, you can become a pure one. And I'm calling you Zacchaeus, pure one. Jesus was affirming him. It's like he was saying, I I made you to be pure. I know all about your sin, but I see a pure one that can, can come out in you. Right there and then, Jesus affirms him. When everybody else in the city wanted to crush him, Jesus affirmed him. The Bible says this, For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. Before you were born, God planned the good things he wanted you to do with your life. Before Zacchaeus was born, he planned good things he wanted him to do. And the Bible says right here that you are God's masterpiece. You are special to God. You matter to God. Now, you need to understand that masterpieces are not mass-produced. You don't go through a line. And mass-produced masterpieces. You need to understand that masterpieces are not produced on some assembly line. 
Masterpieces are created by the master craftsman who lovingly creates every little detail. Masterpieces are custom creations. And I want you to leave here knowing this morning that you are a custom creation of God. He knows where you are. He knows who you are. And you are his custom creation. You are his masterpiece. Somebody once said, God has your picture in his wallet. That's how much he loves you. But I'm here this morning to say, God doesn't have your picture in his wallet. But he's got something better. Look at this. God says, I have engraved you on the palms of my hands. When Jesus looks at the scars on his hands made by the nails of the cross, what do you think he's thinking of? He's thinking of you. I have you engraved on my hands. I knew you before you were born. I created you. I am thinking of you. He died to pay for your sins. He lives in a place to prepare, or he's preparing a place for you to live with him. He notices every detail of your life, and no matter how unloved you feel, Jesus loves you and takes time to affirm you. I want you to know you matter to Jesus. Now, some of you have had some really mean things done to you by people in life. Some really mean things done, some really mean things said to you. Maybe you've even been rejected by somebody in your own family. But look at what the Bible says. The Bible says, even if my father and mother abandon me, look at this, here's a promise, the Lord will hold me close. He will hold me close. Folks, you matter to Jesus. No matter how overlooked you feel, Jesus comes along and notices you just like Zacchaeus. And he's got his eyes fixed on you every minute of every day. No matter how unloved you feel, Jesus comes along like Zacchaeus and he affirms you and he calls you by your name. You matter to Jesus just the way you are right now. No matter how overlooked you feel, he notices you. No matter how unloved you feel, he affirms you. And last, write this down. No matter how undesirable you feel, get this, Jesus wants you. This is probably the biggest mind-blowing truth of all. No matter what you have done, God wants a lifelong and eternal relationship with you. He wants you. And all of God's people said, Amen. We're so thankful. As Jesus stood under that tree looking up at Zacchaeus, suddenly he did something even more shocking than stopping and speaking his name. Jesus said, I want you to come have dinner with me. Zacchaeus, I want to have dinner in your home. And that's amazing. The scripture says this. Jesus said, Zacchaeus, quick, come down. I must be a guest in your home today. And in that day and time, that was unthinkable. For dinner, Jesus picked Zacchaeus to spend time with out of thousands He he picks Zacchaeus. He says, I want to go to your home, the home of the most hated person in the city. Zacchaeus, I want to go to your home. And the reaction of the crowd was brutal. Take a look at what the scripture says. And all the people saw this and began to mutter. He has gone to be the guest of a sinner. The word mutter means to mumble, 
This drone begins to rise in the crowd. He's going to that man's house. They begin to mutter and this drone gets louder and louder. He's going to his house. But you see, Jesus knew that Zacchaeus felt overlooked and unloved and undesirable. Jesus knew that Zacchaeus needed to feel valued. So Jesus chose to spend time with Zacchaeus to show him that he really mattered. Now, the people thought Jesus made the wrong choice. The people thought Zacchaeus was just too sinful, too dirty, too awful for Jesus to spend time with. We're talking about Jesus. And maybe this morning, you like Zacchaeus feel like you are too sinful for Jesus. That there's something you've done in your life that maybe God could never forgive. And maybe you, like Zacchaeus, feel that you have no value. So this morning, if you feel like that, I want you to listen really close right now. I've got a $50 bill right here. Real $50 bill. Straight out of Larry and Shirley's checking account. Now, how many people... If you were on, like, let's make a deal, how many people would like to have this $50 bill? Just raise your hand. Okay? Some do. A lot of you do. Like, like 50 bucks. Good for lunch today. Yeah. Many of you want this $50 bill. But listen close. Now, how many of you but still want this $50 bill. Yeah. Did it lose any of its value? No. No matter how messed up and crumpled and torn and battered and dirty your life may have gotten, to God you've lost no value. And all of God's people said, Amen. Amen. God still values you. He loves you. You matter to God. The truth is this. No matter how messed up your life is, he wants you. Look at this verse. Jesus says, those the Father has given me will come to me and I will never reject them. Never reject them. God already knows where you are. He knows who you are. And God still values you. Even if you're still participating in sin, God still values you. And he wants you. So let this sink deep into your soul today. If you're feeling overlooked and unloved and undesirable, it's God who wants you. And because he wants you, why not respond to Jesus the same way that Zacchaeus did? Take a look at this. The Bible says... Zacchaeus, he came down at once and welcomed Jesus gladly into his home. The message paraphrase that shares that scripture like this, he scrambled out of the tree. Can you just see Zacchaeus? He said, Zacchaeus, I want to go to your home today. Man, he's coming down out of the tree. He welcomes Jesus gladly. Nobody had ever valued him like Jesus. He had heard about the changes Jesus was making in people's lives. He was ready for a change in his life. He was miserable. 
And I actually think that Zacchaeus had a heart change before he hit the ground. Amen? <laughs> I think he actually had, a, had decided to follow Jesus before his, his feet hit the ground. You see, when you realize that Jesus, Jesus notices you, and he affirms you, even though you're not perfect, he knows what you can become. And you know that he really wants you. How can you turn down his invitation? Zacchaeus didn't. And because he didn't turn down Jesus' invitation, the Bible says his heart was changed instantly. And how do I know that? Look at this. Because the Bible says Zacchaeus stood up. They, they went to Zacchaeus' house for dinner, and they have all having dinner. Then Zacchaeus stood up from the table and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody, if <laughs> he had cheated everybody, if I've cheated anybody out of anything, look at this, I will pay back four times the amount. Man, can you see his wealth just dissipating? Four times that everybody, he cheated everybody. And then he's going to give the half of, of everything he owns to the poor. And Jesus said, because he noticed a heart change. Today, salvation has come to this house. The most selfish man in the city instantly became the most generous man in the city. What happened? Jesus changed him. Because Jesus let him know how much he was valued. How much he mattered. So how do you know if you've really met God? You change. Your heart instantly changes. And then you start down a path where your behavior begins to change. And we're not perfect. But you, you, your heart is right. And you start down this path of change. You see the old sinful patterns leave and the Christ-like patterns come. When you realize, no matter how overlooked you feel, that Jesus is, is noticing you, he has his eye on you. Because you are his masterpiece, not to judge you, not to trip you up, but because you are his masterpiece and he loves you. When you feel unloved, Jesus comes along and says, I see more in you. He affirms you. When you feel undesirable, Jesus says, I want you. I want to come into your home. I want to come into your heart. And it makes you want to change when you know how much you matter to God. So the question I want to leave you with today is this. Do you need to make some kind of a change? Do you need to walk through a door to a new and fuller, holier life with Jesus? Or do you need to close the door on some sinful issue? Do you need to make some kind of a change? Second question. Do you need to invite or welcome Jesus into your heart? Into your home? So he can help you change. I know many of you have already done that. But maybe some of you haven't yet. And he's saying. I want to spend time with you. I want to come into your home. I want to come into your heart. So today Jesus is inviting you. To come out of your tree. And to walk with him. He's inviting you to take him. Into your home. Would you bow with me for prayer. This morning, if you've never done that, you've never said, Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Come live in my heart. 
I'm going to pray a prayer and I just invite you to pray it and make this the day that you accept the invitation of this God who loves you more than you can imagine. As I pray it, would you just repeat it in your heart and mean it? It goes like this. Father, I admit that I need a Savior. I believe that you, Jesus, died on a cross to pay for my sins and to save me from the penalty I deserve for my sins. Today I welcome you into my heart and into my home. Forgive me for my sins. I now commit to follow you as my Savior and Lord. And then if you're a Christian and you've prayed that prayer and you've been following Christ, but you know that there's a change that God wants you to make, would you just pray this prayer? I confess, Lord, I need to make a change. I confess my sinful issue is, and just tell the Lord what it is. Please forgive me. I'm ready to obey you and to trust you to change me. I now commit to follow you as my Savior and my Lord. And all of God's people said, Amen. Let's just praise our God who loves us so much this morning. Amen? Amen.